I take this step for my country, for my people, for the Marxist Leninist of life. Knowing that today is but one small step on the journey that someday will take us all to the stars. Welcome back to Beers, Beats, and Bob, where we, your co-hosts, Cade and Lisa, take you through the Apple TV show for all mankind, spoiler-free. Yay, second episode! Yay, second episode! We are committed! I have seen 100% more show than I had seen last week. That's pretty exciting. Although I will say, again, I don't love this episode. (laughs) I mean, it's a continuation of the same story that I'm assuming we'll get out of eventually. But it's funny because, like, it is definitely, like, a lot of, like, world building, character building, which I love. But, like, I love the miniseries, like, the Battlestar miniseries, which is three times as long as, as this. But it's so, it's the literal end of the world. It's very exciting. It's so exciting. And, like, but they do the character <laughs> building in a way that, like, I, I was just more invested. Whereas with this, yeah. it's, like, it's very, I don't know. I, I, I definitely can see how, because even when I was doing the like the second time I tried to watch the show I was like no push through people keep telling me push through (laughs) and I think it's the next episode where I started to get a little interested well I'm already again my interest is peaked by the end of this episode yes exactly um and on that let's talk about our beers I know my beer is more on theme than your beer so why don't you kick us off okay so I have a beer and I'm gonna preface this by saying this is no shade on the brewery or the company or anything like that. But I have a beer that is maybe the worst sounding beer that I have ever <laughs> put in my mouth. I haven't tried it yet, though. So maybe I'll be surprised and it'll be like a new favorite. I picked it solely for the name, um, which is Duchess Red. Um, shout out to our gal um, who our changes the course of history, cosmonaut. Anastasia Belakova, our cosmonaut. Um, So it is um, a Belgian beer. Um, And what's the description? It is a Flanders red ale matured in wine oak cast for several months and macerated with cherries. Now, I will say it's what's working in his favor (laughs) is that it's not American. So I'm hoping it's not that like really terrible American cherry flavor. Hmm. But like I like cherries. I don't like cherry flavor. I don't like sour beers. I don't feel um, great about this, but we're going to try it. Ooh, it's I very dark. I wish I dark. was there with you to try it because it, it doesn't sound terrible to me. I like sours. I mean, I'm sorry too. Uh, maybe. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. I don't it know. Looks, I'm too it scared. It's nice. Okay. It's very dark. It's not like pink. I thought it might be ch- pink. But anyway, shout out to Anastasia. Um, I it was It was just, I couldn't say no to Duchess Red. Um, yeah, I could episode. see like a a newspaper headline from this show the next day being like Duchess Red lands on the moon. Okay, it's not terrible. <laughs> it does. It tastes like cherries, but not in a fake cherry way. It does taste like there is real cherries, and obviously it's been aged in wine oak casks. You can taste that too. And I don't hate wine, and it's not too sour. So maybe maybe I'll get through the beer during the episode. <laughs> A fine review of a fine beer. You would love this. Uh, I think I would be into it. Um, mm. So today, here's here's what's going on with me. 
is I don't live in a city anymore where there's a bodega on every corner with a, a million fun beers to choose from. So I'm the, this first time around, I bought a few like in a batch mm-hmm. uh, and I can't watch past the first episode. So I was just going for sort of like space themed. Um, so mine is not as on theme as yours today, but I've That's got okay. an Allagash North Sky Stout, which nice. has... Uh, a beautiful can with constellations on it. Um, and I'm just going to think of the North sky as space. Yeah. Uh, I also, I, mean... I, I looked through the, for the beers that I have like in stock in my home right now, I, I looked up all of the owners to be like, maybe one of them is a woman owned brewery. Uh, and they were all like every single owner of the brewery was like an interchangeable, like, like 30s hipster white man it seemed like like just every like it could have been the same guy which nothing (laughs) against those guys or their beers which I am enjoying um but I am going to do my best uh on my next shop to find a a woman on brewery for sure there's a great one in Northampton that I'm gonna check out because that's right near me nice yeah I'm devastated because I don't think that my favorite brewery is ever going to be on theme except for maybe the name of the brewery because um, most of their beers are dinosaur themed, <laughs> and I don't want to spoil, but there are no dinosaurs in um. All right, show. so Listen, far I don't know what happens. You should have. I don't know what that. I don't think I can continue with this. Well, look, I've only seen to the end of season four, so who knows? <laughs> Maybe season five will be dinosaurs. Also, I'm drinking out of a Mars cheese castle mug. Nice. Um, I don't know what that is. That is. It is in. Kenosha, Wisconsin, where I once visited nice. with my sister, and it is what it sounds like. It is um like a cheese emporium that looks like a castle. That's like sounds like the best thing. It was I've ever it was seen. amazing. I had a great time. I've ever not seen. Now I have a reason to go to Wisconsin. But it's like space space themed castle, space themed cheese castle. You got to do it. I got to do it. That sounds like a dream. <laughs> um, anyway. So we're covering episode two. Uh, it's called He Built the Saturn V. Did you figure out who this was about when you saw the title of the episode? I assumed it was Von Braun. And it's the Saturn V. I assumed it was Von Braun. Did I say Saturn V? You said Saturn V. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not totally wrong. It's not wrong. And you're right. Um, except that I was just reading that literally off the page. Um... Does he say Saturn V or Saturn V in the show, though? He definitely says Saturn V. Oh, damn. Okay, well. I do <laughs> but I also know I read think Roman numerals. I, was, I couldn't remember if we called him Werner last episode, because it's Werner. definitely pronounced Werner. Yeah. I feel like I interchangeably call them both. Uh, well, I'll call him, I don't know if for they... having a German name. Right? Right? Is these, are these W's? Are these V's? What's going we on don't know. here, you guys? Anyway. We, we're on it now. I also like. I feel really confident that today I could pass like a high school history exam on the Vietnam War. So, oh my god, I'm, I'm so excited about that. Yeah. So we definitely like we've moved forward uh, because Cade really loves to uh, do the history. 
I live a deep dive. I have ADHD and I'm great at hyper-focusing on shit like that. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so we've split it up a bit differently where I'm just going to occasionally be like, hey, tell us more about what really happened in America at this time. (laughs) So this episode is written by Matt Walpert and Ben Nadivi, who are the two other writers on this show who are not Ronald D. Moore, um, as as they are known to me. And I never remember their names and I feel bad. Ronald I'm like, this D. is Moore a Ronald and, D. Moore project. Not Ronald D. Moore and other Ronald D. Moore and Friends is, yes. is who created this show. <laughs> it's directed again by Seth Gordon, who directed the first episode. Um, I will say I'm a little disappointed. I don't think there's a lot of women writers or directors for this show, mm. um, which is surprising to me because I feel like that's been a thing that like Ronald D. Moore's projects usually are very good at. So I don't know. Why you I don't remember this? from Battlestar. I know Jane Espenson was involved occasionally, but I, think I don't remember time, other women. Battlestar really. was not too bad. Um, I, Outland is very good. I also oh, just good. found out that Ronald D. Moore has a random other project that he did between Outlander and Battlestar that only had two seasons, and what now I'm going to watch it. I think it's called Helix or something. Hmm. So I'm going to watch it. I'm interested. Yeah. It got canceled after two seasons, but a lot of sci-fi gets canceled after two seasons. Uh, um, yeah, sci-fi is hard, I think, to to keep the funding going because it's always like a niche audience and yeah. it'll like grow a fan base over time of people that are obsessed with it and go to conventions for years and you'll make money off of it forever. But the networks or streaming services or whatever don't see that and then they just fucking cancel it. Yeah, they're like, oh, this didn't work straight away? Okay, bye. Mm-hmm. And it's getting worse and worse. Anyway, so this episode takes place from July 21st to September 19th, 1969. Still in 1969. Um, which is kind of generous, because I think it's like it starts in July, and then it jumps to September 5th pretty quick. Yes. So, yeah, yeah. well, we, so, start, we start where we left off with yes. the guys still on the moon. Well, we start with archival footage of the well, real yes. Van Braun. Which was an interesting choice. I think they really wanted to show, like, just in case you were wondering, this is one of the guys that was real. We didn't make this up. Yeah, it's interesting. But I think it also speaks to the fact that, like, it seems like he was quite a beloved figure. Uh-huh. Um, and they, which, like, they take know... pains to set him up as that um, before everything yeah, comes Yeah, like, he goes in and he's saying hi to his staff member and yeah. that she's green looks so good on her and like yeah, it seems he's like, like everybody really loves him complimented yeah. a receptionist in a way mm. that didn't seem creepy which mm. not every man could do in the 60s i've seen that oh. men. not every man can do it now <laughs> no. <laughs> i've had a lot of conversations with men about this and it's funny because i'm like you can always tell when the compliment is genuine like there's a way to compliment women that's like not creepy mm-hmm. like i compliment men all the time i think people don't call- i compliment people all the time if i think something nice i say something that's my philosophy so if i like see that someone's got a really cool shirt i'm like hey cool shirt and sometimes men are quite like taken aback by it um and i think people don't compliment men enough like that i think that people compliment men about other things but i'm like Go, bro, tell your bro he his hair looks great. Fellas, is it gay to receive compliments? Maybe, maybe. But like, I just think it's funny. I just think it's, it's across the board. I'm just a big fan of like saying nice things to people. You never know what kind of day someone's having. Definitely like as a woman, it is sometimes hard because I think sometimes people do read into that. And I'm like, no, I was just complimenting your shirt because yeah. it's cool. Yeah. I don't want to fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> we should all be able to do that. We should just all say nice things to each other. Yeah, well, if we did um, it more, then maybe um, the incidence of comp- of creepy compliments percentage-wise would be less, you know? Yeah. yeah. I've had guys, like, on the street, like, just walk past and be like, pants. And I'm like, thanks. And it's, like, very clearly, like... <laughs> <laughs> like it, 
it's not them being like, I'm trying to pick you up. It's like them being like, those pants are so cool. I had to say something. I wear a lot of cool pants in my defense, in their defense. A one word compliment just saying pants. That's pretty solid. That's very New York. I feel like that's a thing that happens here a lot that no one talks about. Everyone's like, oh, New York's so mean, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, people literally just walk past and be like, pants. Yeah, or I like don't have time. Sunglasses. I don't have, I don't have time, time to actually say this whole thing to you. We're walking past each other pretty fast, <laughs> but I just want to let you know that your outfit rocks. Yeah. Like, or just like fit or like something like that. And people will literally just say that to each other as they pass and just like never see each other again. And I love that about New York and people don't talk about it enough. And it's just like the most genuine compliment ever. It's like, I don't know you. I don't want to know you. I don't care about you. Those pants are cool. I'm just going to let you know in the two seconds we have where we cross paths. Yeah, I miss that about New York. It's, it's a beautiful thing about this city. Um, okay, so we start off with archival footage of the real Von Braun um from the like it's, it's actually from a disney tv show talking about like spaceships it's from, it's from a 1955 disney tv series where he's like talking about like you know i wasn't even thinking disney had gotten in, into the tv game but i guess they've always been in the tv game oh always always anyway so gene uh kranz best guys you know him um him and like von braun start this conversation about like they're obviously disagreeing, and I think, like, this whole opening scene is really just setting up the fact that, like, Von Braun is very well-liked, mm-hmm. people in NASA don't necessarily like him, um, or don't agree with him. We see them both, like, having a dis- disagreement about the eagle getting back up to our friend um, Moonstache, but Von Braun thinks they will, and then they do successfully make it back up. So yeah, I was, I was thinking a lot about this since the last episode, that, like, changing what happened with the U- with the first U.S. moon landing to, like, this ordeal with them losing four hours and we're not sure if they're going to make it. Like, I think it was a smart way to get us as the audience reinvested in this story that, like, we all know how it plays out. But it was mm. probably really, like, intense to watch it live. To be like, mm. how are these men going to get to the moon and walk on the moon and come back safely? I'm really invested and stressed out. Um, so I think this it's, it was a smart way of uh, of getting us invested in this story. I don't think that we could really fully understand. Like, I I think about this and I'm just like, as I said, my mom was born in 1969. And my mom is very young. <laughs> Damn for me listening out there. <laughs> but, like, the only thing I can think about that's sort of like this, and it's like this but it's different because we had, like, not great, but we had access to some internet is, like, I remember – watching 9-11 over and over and over and over again, Um, which I think is not quite the same as this because, you know, 1969 is a lot – it's probably just one one coverage as opposed to, like, flicking channels and channels and channels. Yeah, it was on every channel. It's also, like, a positive thing, not a negative thing. Like, it's, like, something that we're all, like, hoping for as opposed to, like, holy shit, is the world going to end? Yeah, but it is one of those historical moments where everyone remembers where they were. Like, that's, I think it's, yeah, when JFK was assassinated and when they landed on the moon and when 9-11 happened, like, there are only a handful of these incidents that you can ask literally anyone who was alive and they can tell you what they were doing. But, Cade, what's terrifying now is that now that I'm bartending again, there are people who weren't alive for 9-11 who can drink. So, okay, here's something I was also thinking about. So I was born in 1984. The moon landing happened in 1969. When I was growing up, this seemed like 
ancient history. Like, oh, like <laughs> so generations ago, they landed on the moon and we had all this stuff going on. Um, and now, you know, like, you know, by the time I was aware of things, it was the 90s and it just seemed like ages ago. Um, we are, so the, fr from my birth to the moon landing was 15 years. From now to baby one more time is what, like 25 years? Is it that many years? No, I think it is. Maybe. I think it is. It's terrifying. I know. Um, so we go to the credits. Um, and we go to two months later. So um, the 5th of September, 1969. Um, so we see Ed wake up. He goes in to see Deke um, to ask him when he can fly again. I love that when he walks into NASA, you can see Von Braun in this big portrait on the wall behind mm -hmm. him. I just think it's like a really good... It's just a really nice, like, oh, this guy is so important. Yeah, he's, like, next to a picture of Nixon, I think. Yeah, like, it's, like, him, the president. You're, like, okay, cool. This guy's super important. It's, like, again, another little bit of setup of, like, mm -hmm. this guy's are important. They're um, doing a lot of, like, show, don't tell in this show, which I yes, really appreciate. they are. Yeah. Which they can do now, good I writing, think. And, you guys. Yeah, again, I think another good thing of the internet is that, like, I think they used to do a lot of, like, we have to tell people, mm. and now in this, like, golden age of streaming, I think that, like, they have, they, like, kind of like to do the show, not tell, so that kind of gives, it's for people like us to then do a podcast about it, so sure, that we can explain absolutely. it to all the people who don't get it, you know? Thanks. Thanks for giving us this opportunity. Thanks for giving us that, Ron. <laughs> um, so Deke says it's not up to him. Um, that he pissed off a lot of people, and that as long as Von Braun is the director, he's not going to be able to fly. Mm -hmm. Which, oh my god, consequences for your actions. Who knew that happened? Which, like, barely consequences for his actions, might I say. Like, I don't we're know, get like, not getting to walk on the moon does feel like big consequences. Like, you were it's someone like, who was going to walk on the moon, and now you can't do that anymore. That feels not like something. fired. No, and like, that's true. Yeah, and oh, and he does a little throwaway comment here, which I thought was really rough. Um, what is he? He makes like a snide comment to Deke about like his the fact that he can't fly. I can't remember exactly what he says, but basically, like, so you know the story of Deke Slayton is like he mm. was an astronaut, he mm -hmm. didn't pass the medical, whatever. In real life, he did get to fly one day, so that's a very exciting, fun thing for all of us. Um, but he makes like a snide comment to Deke about yeah. that which i thought was pretty fucking shitty seeing as deke's like offering him a pretty sympathetic year yeah that was given that he was kind of stupid you know mm -hmm. mm. and he's so mad that he goes his pencil breaks in the sharpener so he punches a hole in the wall you know like you do Ma man things they don't yeah. have any feelings no emotions just <laughs> just rage just punch not an famously yeah. not an emotion <laughs> Um, so we then turn to Von Braun talking to Thomas Paine, um, who's worried about the blueprints or something. Again, I'm going to say this, and I think I said this in Battlestar. I think the funniest, one of the funniest things about me is that uh, when it comes to sci-fi, I care very little for the sci-fi details of it because I just love the people and the stories and the politics around all of the things that are happening. Mm -hmm. So whenever something like this happens, I'm like, my eyes glaze over. Yeah, I mean, this isn't really sci-fi. But it's kind of, it's like any like technical thing. It was the same with every like Battlestar, like pilot flying fight scene. <laughs> like, I just am like, I don't really care who won. Like, I just, I don't understand. There's a lot of planes flying. It's very fast. 
Um, I'm just my eyes are gonna glaze over until people are talking again. Yeah, um, that's fair. Is, like, I just don't think we can lump like like the science they made up for with the real size space. I mean, look, for, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, I get you, but like they're talking about blueprints for a military outpost. Okay, so that blah blah blah. Yeah, no, but, but then, not blah 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 because <laughs> no, no, I'm finishing. I'm finishing. I'm saying blueprints, blueprints, blueprints. <laughs> But the point that is interesting is that Thomas Paine wants von Braun to make them, um, uh, to make blueprints for them. He wants them to unveil the plan um, for Apollo 12 because the president wants to hurry it up. And then he puts in this amazing phrase, and I just love that they had this slogan in there, which was race for the base. Yes. What? That's so real. That's so real. That would 100% be a political slogan. Yeah, all this government military shit had stupid, like, stupid names and stupid slogans for everything. <laughs> Snoopy and Charlie Brown. But, so my, I was, um, I was not annoyed at myself, but, like, I couldn't believe that in my predictions last week, my first response wasn't, oh, well, they want to militarize the moon. Like, I couldn't believe that wasn't the first, because of course they do. Of course they do. Of course that's the thing. Yes. And I think it's really interesting what they're saying about the US here, because when America won the space race, Russia did not do that, right? Russia did not build a military base on the moon. Is that what you're asking? Yes. (laughs) And so I think it's kind of interesting, because it's like a little, like, America self-owned. They're like, Russia was like, cool, you guys won. And, like, I mean, I'm sure it wasn't like that. I don't, think I don't think Russia's chances of getting to the moon, let alone, like, anything beyond that were strong in re- in the real timeline. Okay. Yeah. But okay. The, I do think that, yeah, the, I think they're spot on about how the U.S. would have responded to, like, yes. more Soviet achievement would be, like, we have to, we have to double down and we have to turn the moon into a military base and we have like yeah and the show this is written the by americans and i just love that they like understood this about themselves um <laughs> and then von Braun does his whole speech about how he doesn't want it to become another battlefield he talks about his time in nazi germany he's like no we need to be like we're exploring we want to p- pursue science all this stuff yeah he says he doesn't want his work to like once again be defiled by men with guns yes which, which is, is a little like... taste of the history we're gonna get later in the episode yes um so after this we get this like call with nixon talking to henry kissinger yeah or he's on the recording with henry kissinger and he's just like angry about this he's like i can't believe he's refusing orders he's asking for him to be removed and they're like we can't do that and nixon says they need to get creative mm-hmm. um yeah they gotta really creatively oust von braun yeah. Okay. So we cut to Von Braun talking to Margot Madison. Um, he says he's considering retiring, and she's like, "What would you do? Who would I eat lunch with?" <laughs> um, he's like, "Maybe a guy. I don't know." And she's just like, "I don't have time for a man." Uh, and then changing the subject, he talks about how she's like having an interview with Jean Kranz, um, and uh, she wanted. She says she wanted to do it by herself and not with his help. Yeah. 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 We then go to the out, uh, the outpost tavern where Ed's talking to, I guess, his former boss, um, who is just like, you're the best person ever and you always piss people off. And it's funny because I didn't hate this kind of thing so much when it was Starbuck, but I hate it on Ed. <laughs> well, Starbuck I'm like, is Starbuck, Starbuck is justified. <laughs> yeah. Ed is because not. Because <laughs> there are 
a billion Eds in the world, and there's truly there's one Starbuck. Starbuck would like kill Ed in a fight or a. Could you imagine even just the way she would trounce him at whatever space poker they used to play? Oh my god! Like smoking her cigar and making snide comments. Look, that's a crossover episode we all need. (laughs) So. Ed's bitching and moaning because he has just been doing desk work. Again, consequences of his actions. But his boss, like, goes on and on about how great he was and, like, how he'd, like, have a whole air wing if he wanted to go back to the Navy, uh, to the Air Force or wherever he worked. And, um, yeah, he was a Navy pilot. Navy. It always confuses me because I'm like, the Navy is boats. Why is he flying a plane? Yes, but they've I, got, I agree yeah. with you. <laughs> they've um, got pilots in the Navy as well. Yes. Anyway, so we he goes back home. He's talking to Karen. Um, she talks about not being able to handle, like, the fact that, like, you know, every time the phone rang, she was scared he was going to be shot down. Mm-hmm. He mentions, I think, validly that, like, that's also the case as an astronaut. Like, Yeah, I do agree with her, though, that it's, like, I would feel better about if I was, like, married to an astronaut. I would feel better about their safety than them flying in a senseless war and getting shot at every day. Given the success rate of people, I don't know, so far going to the moon, I don't know. <laughs> Given the success like, rate of fu- the fucking Vietnam War, I also that's don't true. know. <laughs> that's true. Okay. Okay, so we head to Florida. Um, Gordo answers his phone. Tracy asks if he's still drunk, so I guess we're getting like a bit of an insight that he might have a little bit of a drinking problem. A little bit. Which feels funny for an astronaut, I don't know. It sounds um, like it's all regular behavior for the astronauts. They all yeah. go to the bar. They all drink. It sounds like, because we're going to get a scene later where she implies, like, all the other astronauts' wives might be able to handle, like, this mm. behavior. Like, the cheating and everything. It sounds like they were kind of rock stars. Like, in the worst way. In the worst way, yeah. So this girl's leaving his bed while he's on the phone to his wife. He's looking after his kids. And... She flushes the toilet in the background and they both kind of hear it, but don't acknowledge it. And he's like, I love you. And she's like, bye. And then just like starts throwing all this shit on the lawn, which I kind of love. Oh, it's really funny. Yeah. Um, so we see Margot with Jean. Um, I, I loved this. He's like, there's been some guys who've pissed their pants at the pressure and the thing. <laughs> and she just says, I don't wear pants. And I yep. thought that was a great comeback like it wasn't but also like it was the right it was the right joke to make in the moment like he mm-hmm. took it well he did take it well i yeah. thought it was great yeah you can't piss your pants if you don't wear pants exactly mm-hmm. um that pissing pants thing i think will come back uh literally it's a random thing to come back but <laughs> <laughs> okay I'll make a mental note of that. Mild spoiler. Um, well, I did wonder throughout both of these episodes how the astronauts peed and if the way astronauts pee, if the science has improved over the years, because whatever it is, it sounds like it's probably hard. Yeah, I think also, I mean, we're obviously going to get into this after this episode, but I think also like a lot of this the astronaut stuff, do you know there still hasn't been a woman on the moon, by the way? Well, I think I did know that, and I think that is partly because just no one lands on the moon because everyone stopped giving a shit about landing on the moon. I know, but still. Anyway, 
Okay, so we she's having this whole conversation. They talk about how she knows Von Braun through her dad. And he would come over for dinner. And he was sort of like her champion. She's the reason he, she became an engineer and like believed mm-hmm. in herself. And then she says, sorry, am I rambling? And I was like, relatable, Margot. Relatable <laughs> woman in an interview thing. Um, Jean asks her if she wants to have a family. Margot kind of gets uncomfortable with this question. And he's just like, not every woman is cut out to be a mother. Which... I didn't read that as bad. Like, I don't know. Well, she like, didn't say. She didn't say I don't want to be a mother, and not every woman is cut out to be a mother is a really fucking rude thing to say. I don't know. I because sort of he's read not. It. He's not implying that some women, maybe you, maybe not you. It doesn't matter. Are like don't want to be moms, and that's fine. He was like, I can see, like it implies, I can see that you are a woman who is not cut out to be a mother when she hasn't actually said that she doesn't want to. I did not read it as that. Hmm. This is how I read this, hmm. and maybe I'm wrong, but like I read it as it felt like she felt uncomfortable to say she didn't want to have kids because she's a woman, and that didn't feel like it was an okay thing to say. And it felt like by him saying that, he was kind of being like, it's okay if you don't want to be a mother. You like, have that's how I read such a positive that. read on that scene, and I find that really interesting. <laughs> that's just how I read it. Because, like, because there were but her re- such a, like, I think her reaction was like, I didn't appreciate that comment. She wasn't like, oh, phew, a man who understands. Like, I, no, I, I don't sure think that's the conversation. Wrong, but it's funny having. that I read it like that because, like, I don't, I didn't really see Margo as someone who wanted to have kids. But, like, I, I, she doesn't like, say... Like, the way she was so uncomfortable about answering the question, it felt like she felt like she was meant to want to. Well, I think she's... That's kind of some kind of, like, a double bind for women at that time. Like, mm. either you are, like, some kind of unfeminine, unmotherly type of person who would choose a career over kids... Or you are a woman who wants a family, so the second you get married and or get pregnant, you have to give up your career. Like, there's no easy answer for her in that, like, she might want kids and she doesn't want to give up her career. And, like, that's not an option at this time period. And Mm. I think that was probably going on in her head at that moment. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why I read that scene so positively, but I Yeah. I was like, oh. Yeah, I was not a fan of Jean Krantz in that conversation. Um... Anyway, I love this cut. So she walks out of the interview and she says hi to the janitor, who yes. is Octavia, Alita's dad, and yeah. he's now working as a janitor at NASA. And I just thought the way that we cut from that interview to him, she says hi to him and then suddenly we're following him was just like, I thought it was very good. I did like that as well. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that's that seems like a pretty good job to get. Not, I'm sure NASA's janitors weren't paid exceptionally well but it seems like i don't know a better job uh than some like undocumented people who come across the border are able to get good job good job yeah we're gonna get to the that um but we follow him home there's a woman who's looking after Aleda. i think her name's kata she's like you need to control your daughter or find somewhere else to live apparently she's just setting shit on fire she's setting shit on fire left and right so much uh he goes outside to tell him to play with matches we sort of get like some insight to her um her personality here so she responds to him in spanish he tells her to speak in english he's like trying to talk to her and she's just like completely shutting him out and she's continuing to speak in spanish as well so she's like both like disobeying him shutting him out i think it's just like 
obviously I know a lot more about Elena than you do, but like, I think it's like interesting watching this back to see her personality in this. Yeah. Well, and I mean, her mom died and then they went on a harrowing journey across the border and they're in a new country with a new language. I mean, it's kind of fair that she's acting out. I would probably want to set things on fire yeah, too. It's totally fair. Um, I, I regretted last episode that we didn't talk much about, I think, I think this was a theme also maybe of the episode, like, like what it means to sort of explore a new world or a new frontier and, um, and the theme of like colonialism, like planting a flag on the moon, creating like imaginary borders on land Mm. that make it illegal for some people to enter. Mm. Like, uh, I, I thought... I thought Aleda's journey in the last episode was a very interesting parallel to like what the U.S. and the Soviets Absolutely. are doing, which is sort of like claiming this new territory, and it it brought up a lot of like colonial type of uh, ideas that we didn't talk about. Yeah, last time. I think the exploration of the new world stuff is definitely something that I noticed the first time that I watched it. Like, it is definitely mm-hmm. like a interesting story to put side by side. Yeah. Um, that's all. So Karen goes to help Tracy, who's throwing all of Gordo's things out on the lawn. Love I like this. Tracy a lot. I like Tracy too. <laughs> uh, in this episode, I like Tracy. Mm, um, interesting. Interesting. Oh, I like I, I like Tracy. I just don't want to like, you know, I like Tracy in this episode. Yes. I don't want to talk about Any people. character can develop in any way. Yes, we'll exactly see. my point. Like, because yeah. it's a thing of like, I don't, I don't want to, you know, that's why I'm going to, I'm going to stop saying if I like people or not. I'm going to say if I like them in this episode because I don't want to like give spoilers, right? Thank you. Okay. So she tells Karen that she's not letting him back home. Karen gives this whole speech about divorce, which it would be hard in this time. Um, And then uh, Tracy, they just like, you know, start drinking martinis and smoking cigarettes. Mm -hmm. And Karen like takes off her, what are, I'm assuming are clip on earrings. And I just remember how painful clip on earrings are. She just like pushes them off and throws them on the couch. Yeah. Um, I love this. Like, we get this close up of Tracy's face, and she's like, You know, I have this fantasy. I'm married to another man. His name is Bert. And he's just like the most boring guy ever. And I just thought that was fantastic. And Karen's like, (laughs) Does he have a brother? (laughs) Um, But I just love the idea that her like fantasy is just this accountant. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Well, yeah, they're talking about um another uh another wife in the program which is what they keep calling nasa Mm. um who divorced and there were photographers outside the house and pictures of the kids in magazines and like the the astronauts are famous enough at this time period that it would be very public to have to go through a divorce and really unpleasant also yeah i like that tracy is like he can stay with that cape cookie I just really like <laughs> that she's calling this woman a cape cookie. Um, Karen asks if she still loves her, and she just says shit. Which like. Yeah, it's just like that's not that. Sh- I get it. I get the time period. It just it yeah. bums me out that like that's not a reason to not divorce someone. Like the people it's who true. you love hurt you, or they're capable of hurting you more. Like, ugh, yeah. Anyway. We'll see where this goes. I'm, um, yes, I'm on the journey. Yeah. So at her office, this is a cute scene. Von mm-hmm. Braun comes in. He's talking to Margot. He's like, well, you're disappointing me. 
you've made me look bad. And she's like all worried. And he's like, well, I was only second to the moon, but you're the first woman in mission control. Yeah, it was, it was very sweet. They really like, they went out of their way to make him seem like a sweet guy. And yeah, all of the lead up in this episode. Yeah. He gives her, I think, a pen that he's had for like 20 years. I don't think it's a pen. I think it's like, um, oh, no, it's ruler, an engineer's ruler, right. ruler thing. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. Slides. Yeah, the sliding yeah. ruler. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and she's and... like, I was hoping for cognac. Yeah, I love it. Very sweet. I almost um, uh, well, I had I don't have cognac. I have brandy. Um, I almost ooh, brought I have some brandy, brandy too, but no, I'm good with my beer that. though. <laughs> that, that's the end of the episode. If we do that. like, <laughs> yeah, we're drunk, but good um, for Marco. Yeah, so we see her move her things into mission control. Oh, and she's um, so proud carrying her big stack of binders. It's like half the size it. of her, I and love then it. this welcome yeah. she receives is. Hard. I hear this specifically because this is something that happens a lot. So they give her this like German hot dog. They call her Ava von Braun, which she just throws away. The guy tells her not to take it personally and whatever. And they pull all this stuff, whatever. I don't yeah. care. And I bet I they just... do haze the new guys, but I bet it's not that harsh. And I like, she's the first woman in there. A hazing is not going to feel the same way as hazing one of the guys. Also, like, I don't know if you've ever come across this, but I absolutely have come across this kind of okay so when I was in high school and so what I was like 12 when I started high school um that's right yeah so in my first year of high school I ended up because I'm very brilliant at mathematics I ended up in like the top maths class or like I got 100% on like the test to like move into classes or whatever and like you know, my family has, like, um, some dyslexia issues and whatever. So my dad taught me math when I was, like, really young. Like, I learned algebra when I was, like, five. I've always felt very comfortable with math, and I'm very good at math. But, like, I guess that the way that I came across to people wasn't like that uh, or wasn't particularly academic. And I literally, people were like, oh, who did you sleep with for that when I was, like, 12, 13 years old? Oh, and so God. this hit me particularly hard because I feel like this is something that gets said to women all the time. I don't yeah. think we think about it enough but there's oftentimes if like a woman if a woman succeeds in a male dominated space like in my case it was math and I give that example because it's the youngest example of it it's not the only example mm-hmm. but like if women succeed in a male dominated field the amount of times that that is insinuated that that's for because of some sexual relationship with a man which is what I sort of read this as like oh she's got a close relationship with Von Braun yeah yeah I I sort of was like it felt like enough that they were just hazing her about her association with this guy who we later, you know, truly learn has like, was a, a high up in the SS. Like, I kind of was like, oh, yeah, that's a reason to haze someone. But of course, they're calling her Ava von Braun. Like, mm. that's like, uh, that's Hitler's wife. Like, mm. that's, that's different than just like, someone who's associated with a nazi that's like you fucked the nazi to get here mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yep um gross. yeah it's pretty gross and like for me i just had a moment and i had actually kind of forgotten about that and i was like oh because i i know what's happened throughout my life and i'd forgotten and then i was thinking about it i'm like oh that happened to me when i was like 12 yeah which is that insane. is just that's there's no excuse for that that is disgusting no. and i'm sorry from, that happened uh, to you. from my peers like from students but like still ridiculous um 
that this is a thing that happens like that pervasively. Yeah, when um, other 12-year-olds learn that from adults. Like yeah. that's yeah. absolutely something that they pick yeah. up. Um, so we move from this to seeing Ed and Gordo flying. One of them flies over the house and Tracy's just like, Dad, uh, boys, daddy's home. Yeah, like um, the bottles are all shaking. Yeah, and I'm like, I would kill him. I would be like, <laughs> do that shit again. <laughs> well, and he implies that they got in trouble the last time and he does it anyway. Yeah. Um, so we head to a barbecue at Ed and Karen's house, which like there are a couple of like snide comments from the women like, oh, it's so nice of you to do this seeing of uh, this your situation or whatever. And it's just like yeah karen's just like pushing through yeah they're um, a little bit shady yeah so neil although a lot of shady bitchy gossip stuff although the costuming in this scene is great i oh, loved everybody so outfits. good yeah just like a late 60s like all the women in these bright colored dresses and all the men yeah. in these like hawaiian type shirts ridiculous it's, shirts yes they, um, it looks it's like cartoonish in that yeah in that vintage way that i enjoy yeah um, so Ed gets called over by Neil Armstrong. Ever heard of him? <laughs> um, they make some jokes. Uh, they talk about like the fact that he didn't abort the landing. Um, and they yeah, just which about- I I think um, that seed was planted for like to sort of back back up what Ed says in the hearing about like it really is your call. Like mm, Neil could mm. have aborted. Because he was the one in charge. Yeah. Yeah, he says, you just have to make a call and hope you're not wrong. Yeah. Um, um, before we leave this scene, I also want to talk about the line that one of the wives says about the kids in London wearing hammer and sickle shirts. Oh my God, yes. So Yeah. Funny. It feels like, you know, like the, the, the beginning part of like every zombie movie where there's like, the characters like have the news on in the background and you hear like one line about something that's going on in another country. Uh, it's, it's that, I feel like it's that kind of storytelling that they're just mm. like, like building this alternative timeline, maybe just a little bit here and there. Um, but I, yeah, I thought that was a really interesting detail. I also just think though, that it sort of shows that like, I don't know, it's just this like often false perception of what's going on overseas and how Americans view that. I don't know. Like, Why do you think it would be a false perception? I don't think that people in London would be wearing sickle Oh, shirt. I think they would. I think, like, I mean, especially this is or, a like, time... Or, like, maybe a couple people did and, like, they're just, like, I don't know, it just feels, like, overdramatic. Yeah, I mean, I don't know where this show is going. Um, but, I mean you know, then and now there would still be people who like support at least like communism in theory and socialism. Yeah. And like, I absolutely think it would be true that yeah. there would be more way, support the for the Soviet that, like, Union after they achieved this. Oh, I see what you mean. Okay. 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 We read that differently again. I'm not American. Um, no, but I think you're like, also there would be like moral, there would be so much moral panic. Like, I think yes, it would be a little, of both. course. Yeah. Um, so we then meet Charles Sandman, who is a real congressman. Yes. So, I mean, in terms of his like political career, I don't think anything was terribly interesting. Um, but I think that they picked him to be sort of like spearheading this um this hearing because 
He served in the U.S. Army Air Corps as a navigator during World War II, and he spent seven months as a prisoner of war in Germany after his plane was shot down. Ah. So he has a reason to be, like, extra anti-German. Um, and with a bone to pick with von Braun. Yeah. Um, he was a, um, a real, um, representative of Southern New Jersey from 1965 to 1975, a Republican. He was one of Nixon's most vitriolic defenders, um, when he was going through impeachment hearings, although he did eventually, like, there was too much evidence against Nixon, so he did eventually vote to impeach him. Oh, um, people used to do that? If yeah, right? If what evidence came to world. light, they were like, oh, look, truth. We should pay attention to this. <laughs> I don't know what that's like. I don't, we don't live in that world anymore. We don't live in that world anymore. Um, okay, so we're introduced to Charles Sandman, and he's like really trying to lead Ed down this path. He's like, you were punished for speaking the truth. We should have mm-hmm. listened to you, which again, like, it's a really interesting because I just feel like this is not how, because he's effectively a whistleblower, kind of. Like, or he's kind of, like, in that territory where it's, like, very against military practice to talk about these kind of things to journalists. But because he's, yes. like, on the side, they want to travel down. Um, also, can we please just point out the phrase, ticky-tack crap? Because I love it. <laughs> I want to say it all the time. That one. Funny. He goes, all of this ticky-tack crap. And I'm like, that's a beautiful thing to say. Old-timey expressions are so it. great. They're so good. <laughs> Um, yeah, and it's clear that, like, Sandman is really here as a representative of Nixon, who Mm -hmm. thinks astronauts should be in charge, and Von Braun has never been an astronaut, um, and this could be Ed's ticket back up into space. Well, they're also just looking someone to blame. Um, they are, but they, like, they want to take Von Braun down for sure. Oh, 100%, but that's, like, part of it is they need a scapegoat. They want to take down Von Braun. It's like all of the things together. Yeah, it's kind um, of a two birds, one stone situation. Yeah, yeah. Karen is really into this idea. Karen's like, yeah, you Karen just doesn't want to move. testify against this guy because, yeah, I don't, I don't want to move. I like my house. I don't think <laughs> that you should get shot down in Vietnam. Um, so they go to DC with Karen. And I assume that he didn't discuss what he was going to say because she's, like, all supportive. Like, yeah, we're going to do this. I don't Um, even know if he knew what he was going to say until the moment. Like, I got the impression that he was really still considering it. Yes. And so they have this, like, whole conversation where, like, uh, where um, Sandman's trying to lead him in a direction. And Ed's like, actually, (laughs) it's my fault. Yeah, I I could have done whatever I wanted, and I didn't. And you can tell that Sandman is um, like visibly disappointed in this um, statement. Yeah, because um, I think they were counting on Ed to bring the same like vitriol that he had when he was speaking to that reporter. And this is where I I feel like my prediction from last week a little bit came. Like Ed has had some kind of change of heart where he feels like loyal to the program and he's not going to throw someone else under the bus um this feels like a little bit of a redeeming moment not that like i don't know i i i think this episode raises a lot of questions about von braun like i don't think he's you know i'm so thrilled that he's being defended or whatever but the ed is taking like credit here for his own actions and he doesn't have to 
Um, yeah. And I, I think that's big of him, and we haven't seen him be big in a lot of these moments. No, it was, it was like, it was very surprising, and it was good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we get Gordo, who storms into the outpost. He's just like, why didn't you consult with me on Apollo 10? Valid. There's like two of you. I don't know. You could have had a conversation. I don't care who's in charge. Yeah, right. Um, and that's then, fair. That's fair from Gordo. Also, yeah. I really like his like mustard yellow mock turtleneck situation. Like a um, yeah. short sleeve mock turtleneck. Probably very, the nicest it's... thing we can say about Gordo, like generally so far. Yeah, like series. he he was a little bit A cab in the last episode, which I appreciated. And Oh yeah, he was a bit A cab last episode. Yeah. Um, and now he's got a cool shirt and that's about now it. Now he's got a cool shirt. Okay. Yeah. So we're 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 just we're just This as much as I can give him. Episode. Yeah. Um, but I do like that here you get a bit of a pushback from Ed saying, like, what do you think, like, what do you think it says when you arrive an hour late, reeking of booze and pussy? And then he's like, <laughs> the American dr- dream is alive and well. And, like, Ed's just like, at least I own my shit, which I think is, again, fair from Ed. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just like, you are fucking around, you're getting drunk all the time, and, like, you know, I maybe made the wrong call or whatever, but at least I, like, got up and said what facts or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And that's, I mean, where's the lie? That's, yeah. that's all true. Um, so then we moved to the hearing with Congressman Sadman and Von Braun. Um, Von Braun is, you know, he's all about the exploration. He's like, mm-hmm. that's the point of NASA. And, um, and obviously, like, Sadman's taking this very military perspective uh he wants to do a military base on the moon he said the soviets were going to push ahead and do that um and i don't know i think this is all really interesting so like we get this bit of like the thing where it looks like it's all going in von Braun's favor he's like unlike the soviets we care about the lives of astronauts and Mm -hmm. like you know and like you know neil armstrong said we pick ourselves up and go back to work and he he makes a charming little and he's joke about like, his accent giving him away that he's not from Alabama. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. totally won over the crowd. Yeah, 100%. And then, you know, you see, like, you see Sandman, like, whisper to this guy, and uh, then they start bringing up all of these pictures of... So it starts kind of gentle with, like, a picture of Von Braun in the same picture with Hitler um yeah which like if that's gentle it's not going to good places nope and then it starts showing like dead bodies and and camps and all of this and so all of these like um, emaciated like the the horror mm -hmm. photos that you see from the holocaust of like emaciated bodies like like yeah it's very difficult pictures i think are all from the holocaust definitely the picture of him with um hitler is real I would um, assume maybe- the photos are real. I would. Hmm. I did not look that up, but I would assume that the photos that they used are real. And um, and I was wondering, like, I was wondering how how many like were those were those photos like common sort of knowledge at the time? Like, I we went through World War Two, and everybody knows what happened. But I wonder if education about the holocaust has come further now than it had at that time period i'm just curious like how it the reaction from everyone feels like some people have never seen these actual images like maybe they heard about it and heard it was bad but it feels like not everyone has been confronted with these images i don't know because i've seen images of these kind of things before and i think that there's never you're never prepared that's true 
That's like, true. I just think it's always like that. And they're like, um, maybe you've seen them and you associated them with some like distant evil villains and not like your buddy. Someone that is beloved. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you can watch Margot seeing this um, from the control room on TV and she's just like, her face, great face acting. Mm, um, mm-hmm. Her face is just like, she's just absolutely shook um, yeah she she turns off the like she makes the decision for the room that like we're not gonna watch this we're anymore. not gonna watch it yeah 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 that's that comes later and so um and so he just like puts it all against me he's like oh you care about the lives of your astronauts what about all of these people who are in concentration camps who built your rockets yeah and um, i i think it's really interesting like it's it feels very i'm not defending von braun uh but it feels hypocritical of this administration of the, the the people running these hearings to be like okay we want we want to get rid of von braun because he's advising against using like science for military escalation because and then the the way they take him down is by being like your science was used for military escalation yeah like, i mean he's a- he's advising them ag- against doing the same thing and that's like the reason they're taking him down it's just it's so hypocritical to me their oh absolutely motivations. are you telling me the u.s government ever like of course so what? like it's what <laughs> the u.s government is never hypocritical um anyway so this is when like so he's kind of going against it he's like i didn't have authority i didn't know all of this stuff and this is when Margot turns the tv off mm-hmm. um and, and I, this- I I think the show like they don't they they do a good job not letting him off the hook like it I don't believe that he didn't know like from this episode of TV at least I I think it's it's a question but I don't believe that he was ignorant of what was actually happening I think he was committed to like the pursuit of knowledge and he didn't want to uh be killed by the Nazis but hmm. I I I don't think that excuses him. I don't think that excuses him at all from like the role that he played. It's really interesting um because I'm watching Outlander right now and that's like a time travel show, right? So there is mm-hmm. a time travel part where um they go back in time to like colonial America and they're in North Carolina and there's all these people with slaves and like one of the main characters gets in like a lot of trouble like or speaking out against slavery like and rescuing people and all of that and there's this whole like complicated structure in which it's under and that like this guy comes in and because he's like i will not own slaves and like you know he's gonna inherit a property and he's like i refuse to own slaves what can i do to free the slaves and he's like oh and he gives all of the administrative things that they've put in place and he's like people who have been outspoken about this before have gone missing like and it's just like it's so much more, um, I think, complicated than we give it credit for, if that makes sense. And it's just like, it's like, you know, these people were in this situation with intentions to not participate in this system. Mm-hmm. But like, it is genuinely like, I, I'm not saying it's right, but I'm saying that like, it is like watching that. I was like, oh yeah, it's not like it was as simple as being like, I disagree with this. And so therefore X, it's like, it's definitely like laying your life on the line for that too. It um, is. I I think... Yeah, I, I agree that it's it's absolutely not simple, but mm. it's it, if everyone had taken a stand against it, it wouldn't have happened. Hundred percent, like yeah, hundred percent. And I think it's I think that all of these things take 
different, uh, attacking it from different angles. I think it takes people who are protesting in the streets. I think it takes people who are quietly having conversations to move people in a direction. I think it takes people who are get embedding themselves in the system and changing it from the inside. I think that there's always like so many layers to actually move change forward. Yeah, I do think there's a question of like, if you were this, the the smartest man in Germany and they were like, do some science for us because we're going to use it to kill people. Like, there's no way he didn't know that they were going to use it to kill people, at least oh, at some 100%, point in the process. 100%. Like, maybe suddenly you're bad at science. Maybe, mm. maybe you, maybe you're going to get killed for being bad at science. And maybe that's worth it to, like, not yeah, advance to not kill the military technology yeah. and to not well, it's like, um, participate in having the, like, people at the concentration camps build your murder weapons. Yeah. It's like Rogue One. You know mm. how, like, he and he's like, I, they were threatening your lives. Mm-hmm. But what I did is I built this thing so that there's something in there that came and I got the specs to you so that then the resistance can take down the Death Star. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. There yeah. is a way to do it. Hell yeah, Rogue um, One. Yeah, great Star Wars movie. Okay. Anyway, I just like, I wanted to add that in that context because it's another Ronald D. Moore show. And I just thought it was like a kind of interesting. Yeah. way that they tackled that issue because I was like how are they going to tackle this well and they haven't um, told us how to feel about it which I really appreciate like mm. I think we are like Margot is the most there for us as like like maybe we've been a little charmed by Von Braun in this episode as well and it's it's Margot in the scene later who really captures like the feeling of betrayal and I thought I knew you and maybe I don't know you and maybe this was really wrong but that also that conflict mm. do you want to talk about this song oh my god yes okay so i think firstly what's interesting is this is a real song um that was written in 1965 uh by tom lehrer l-e-h-r-e-r um uh and it's from a bbc tv show and it's one of the mm. first like i think like political satire comedy shows that existed oh um, interesting what is the yeah. show it's called The Week That Was, um, and it, uh, it's a real Sounds song. Sounds like we'll last it. week tonight. It does a little bit. Um, <laughs> the Week That Was. And it's also, you know, British. Oh, here we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it, yeah, so it aired on BBC uh, in the 60s, and this song, um, which we can play on the podcast because it's actually free. Uh, Shout out to artists who put their stuff in public domain. Yeah, it's in the public domain. He was like, I think my songs are like, you know, politically whatever, and I just would like to give them new life and put them in the public domain so everybody use my work. Gather round while I sing you of Werner von Braun, a man whose allegiance is ruled by expedience. Call him a Nazi, he won't even frown. Nazi schmazi, says Werner von Braun. I liked this guy. I want to know more about this comedian. Yeah, like I want to go back and watch this show because I yeah, think it's totally. just so interesting. I like this is one of my favorite types of like political news is just satire. Um, I think that it's got such a powerful and important role in society. Agreed. Um, and I just think that it also it's interesting that like obviously you're looking at and so in the context of the show, I guess it's different because you don't really have a context for the song, but like obviously we're seeing that he was quite a darling in America. But obviously Britain were like, what the fuck is this guy doing in your program? Like, 
It just looks like Operation Paperclip was something that England was like, really? <laughs> like, it's not my department, says Verna Von Brown. And then like, yeah, this the the line about the widows and cripples in London who owe their pensions to him. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a beautiful scene, like intercut scene. I really liked it. I thought it was very clever. Mm-hmm. Um, so we cut to Margot and Von Braun in the like watch room of the whatever. They're there together. Some beautiful shots in the scene of like Von Braun like sitting above the the control room. But um, yeah, she... this show is gorgeous. It's yeah. beautiful to look at. Yeah. So she asked him if he knew about the concentration camps. He said that he needed to move his work forward um, and that he could have been killed and that everything he had done would have been ruined. And she's sort of just, like, not taking it. And he sort of says, like, you know, in a kind of poor me sort of way, that he gave America his life's work and now they've thrown him to the wolves. Yeah. Yeah. I don't... He made a call about, like... I, th- I think he made a call about, like, who would best use his knowledge and prop him up the best and give him the most comfortable life and mm-hmm. was less likely to kill him. Mm-hmm. I don't think that choice was could be seen particularly as noble that he chose the U.S. over the Soviet Union. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he um, says this line, progress is never free. There's always a cost. I was just about to say that. Yeah, and I'm very curious, like... Is that something we're talking about for this episode, or is that something we'll continue talking about in this series? I don't know. Maybe, mm. maybe we'll keep talking about it in the series. I think it's possible. Uh, let's put that in your predictions. <laughs> um, so we go back to Aleda, who sets fire to a newspaper. And a Barbie. Like, with a mirror and a Barbie. <laughs> Accid- I think the Barbie is accidental, but yeah. I thought that but was a kind of a funny yeah. choice that, like, she's in America and she's playing with this, like, blonde Barbie doll. And that is one of the things that gets set on fire. Um, so her dad walks in, puts it out, asks her why she did it. She sort of says this really sad thing about wanting to be in the fire. Um, so he hugs yeah, her. It's really intense. It's really dark. Well, you know, teenagers are very dramatic. We oh, know that. I were, know. You were. I know about it. being intense and dark as a teenager, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he says he wants to show her something. He takes her to a model rocket at NASA. Um, he talks about her mother and how she wanted this for them. And he says, maybe um, maybe one day, Elena, you'll be, build a fire inside of one of these. Okay. Sorry, so I started to tear up. It is. It's very sweet, and I imagine it's sweeter if you know the uh, the journey this character is going to go I'm on. So pathetic. Oh, here's from from watching this show for the first time. It feels a bit <laughs> heavy handed to me, and I here's here's what I'm imagining. Aleda, uh, father and mother, when she was still alive, went to see like a fortune teller type of a person, and the fortune teller type of person was like. Your daughter has to be a goddamn astronaut. And if she's not an astronaut, (laughs) the world is going to end. It's the most important. Like, just every conversation I feel like they've had is like, Aleda, you have to go to space. Like, two two people have been in space. Ten people? I don't know how many people at this point. A very small... You can probably count on... On two hands. The number of people who have been in space. And both of her parents are like, Aleda, this is really fucking important. Like, this is your journey. (laughs) I it feels I mean, just, they're laying it on thick and i'm fair, sure that I it's going in a direction cry. that i will love but 
To be fair, I randomly get teary a lot and like my period's due, but it's been due for like a week. But I've been having like the day before period levels of tears for like over a week now. I mean, yeah, we, I can, just tear up. we can talk about the crying that I did uh, researching the Vietnam War earlier. <laughs> okay. Like, I feel like that's, if you really dig in, you're going to cry. Like, it's just, you just keep going I used to study terrorism. I'm yeah. very familiar with this. Yeah. Sometimes I would be writing an essay and I would just start crying and not stop and just be like, I guess I'm done for tonight. Yeah, it's a bad and world. And then just cry myself to sleep. It's a really bad world. <laughs> we're okay. bad. A lot of us were bad people. Um. So on the day of the Apollo 12 launch, yeah, we get this throwaway line that we're going to talk about later. Um, where Nixon's like, we've reached peace. We've neared peace with Vietnam. Sure, um, sure we he's have. basically like, we just need to pull all our resources into this space race, <laughs> yeah. which I just thought was great because I'm just like, wow. Okay. So us is like, fuck this war with Vietnam because yeah. we need to beat Russia. That's to actually very interesting. In like, will the Vietnam war end earlier because the U S I don't it know. Seems the like US that's where seems- it's going. The U.S. seems always to have an endless uh, piggy bank for whatever wars they want to fight. Like, it doesn't seem like, well, in order to complete our space travel mission, we have to stop funding wars in other parts of the world. Like, I don't, I actually don't believe that for a second. The U.S. would just print more money for their war. But I don't know. I kind of bought it. I kind of bought it. I buy um... it in the context of the show, maybe Mm. as like a device. I don't know that I would buy it in real life like it seems just based on everything that we all know about the u.s like no matter what's going on we will throw down as much money as we need to to fight whatever wars we feel like fighting yeah also i think the song they're playing here by the james gang Mm. is called funk 49 it was actually released after this episode takes place in july 1970 i meant to look that up anyway to look this um yeah so what nixon says is like we've got to do this so we may focus our efforts on new challenges facing our nation. We will do whatever it takes and bear any burden, basically, mm. is their feeling about this. Mm. Um, so to finish off the episode, so Deke pays out of visit his home. He's like, oh, Von Braun's Oh, wait, gone. wait, but Margot's doing her first mission and it's going so well. It's going so well. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, she's very proud and I'm worried. She's like so happy that it's going so well that I'm a little worried. Uh, but for right now, things are in great shape. She's killing it. She's killing it. Are we surprised? Margot is a boss. We love yeah. her. Um, oh, yeah. So Deke pays Ed a visit. He gives him that plaque, which they took off of yeah, the... Why does Ed get that plaque? I don't know. It feels wrong. He wasn't on that mission. He didn't walk on the moon. What no. is... It, Maybe it was like, this is a consolation prize because you weren't the first American to the moon. I get... But like, it seems like... But who is the guy who was there but didn't get to walk on the moon? Was that Michael Collins? Yeah, maybe that would be He should have gotten that. He needed a consolation prize. I guess, yeah. Yeah. Um, It's just, that was a weird, I do think it, like, it helped remind me why the show is called the show. Like, this is, they say it out loud. Um, On the plaque, it says, like, we came here in peace for all mankind. And that's, like... We've heard the title of the series out loud. Oh, my God, that's the name of the show. Yeah. Yeah. so he offers him a job back on Apollo 15. Ed excitedly accepts. He says the phrase, he says a phrase to Ed, carrying the fire, hmm. which is actually the title of Michael Collins' autobiography in the real world. Interesting. Fun little fact. 
Um, Karen interrupts the men to tell them that the Soviets are on the moon again. And we get this great lifting visor scene, which actually happened uh, with Harrison Schmidt on Apollo 17, had a similar kind of scene. But they were like, it's a man again. Yeah, yeah. But the way the presenter says this, it's, is it the same presenter who says It's the same, activities? it's the lesbian activity guy. It's a woman. Oh, it's a woman. It, it's a woman. <laughs> and you get this like, pan Now out I've seen everything. Women. Yeah, I know. You just pan out to all these women watching this like, what the fuck? This is amazing. This is interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Margo's in the control room. She's looking around. She's got no other women to like, catch an eye with and be like holy shit like it's just men and they're not looking at her and they don't care about her and this is they don't realize maybe what a moment this is for her Aleda super into it her dad watching her her dad is so into how into it she is (laughs) very sweet very sweet Karen Karen looks like she's about to start like um a national organization for like women shouldn't be on the moon. She looks so upset. Like she's she looks so upset. It's like, are you worried they're gonna make you go to the moon? Like is she looks devastated. She's like shaking her head no. I'm fascinated by it. And then Tracy is ecstatic. Yes. Yeah. I am super excited for you to watch the next episode. Great. Um, I'm thrilled. And uh, so that's the end of the episode. And this is sort of like the moment, like the pivot moment. Okay, welcome back. Um, You don't know this because you're still here, but we (laughs) have been gone for a week. Uh, Unfortunately, I, uh, I had to run the other day. And so we cut off the recording after we finished the beat by beat. So apologies if we're a little fuzzy. But on the plus side, Kate has Brandy now, so... Yes. New day, new drink. New day, new drink. I personally am not drinking because I have to be an adult and do a course right after this. So I um, have no adulting to do for the rest of the day. Yeah, so. which sounds fantastic. I definitely am going to have to have a beer later. In a... I, I thought about brandy, but truthfully, this is like, you know, I probably shouldn't. That's fair. As tempting as it is. That's fair. This And I wouldn't uh, reach for the brandy normally, but this is my um, ode to Margot, who requested cognac, and cognac is brandy. The brandy I have is not cognac, but we're doing what we can. <laughs> Tell us more. <laughs> it's only cognac if it comes from the sparkling... No. Um... <laughs> it's fine um, we bought it to yeah. make pumpkin soup and now i drink it sometimes does anybody i mean aside from like grandmothers does anybody buy brandy to drink i have brandy to make brandy sauce at christmas that's all it's for i use it once a year people like i've worked in restaurants and people definitely order brandy in restaurants i would say older people for sure yeah <laughs> i feel like if i'm going for a brandy-esque like so I can see the time for brandy, and I feel like if I'm going for that vibe, I usually go for a a port. I I also have port, and I was like, I would have preferred port, honestly. But I was like, I gotta, I gotta, or like do something a little bit on theme. Yeah, or like an apera, if you will, because it's not called port if it's not from. <laughs> <laughs> it's seriously not. Anyway, true, 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 true. Anyway, um, there's still I mean, snow on the ground some, like, here, and it feels cozy. And oh, yeah. I'm into the you brandy. You know what? 
you know what I should have done is I should have looked because I probably have like a cognac or a brandy cask whiskey. Mmm. That's and also that close. I could fuck with. <laughs> when you have to adult later? Yes. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> How is that different? How is that better? <laughs> oh, damn. I spoke too soon. You just pretend. Okay. I know I could pretend, but I feel I'm 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 authentic. We okay. are. Uh, truth, I can't I can't just lie here. to the to the dozens of listeners that we have. <laughs> I have to I have to have my integrity. But yeah, so I'm really sorry. I actually had a whiskey event that um I had to go to and I did not uh it was not it was like a kind of last minute thing and so I didn't plan out the time well enough and we also dragged our feet on this episode because it was a slog. It's boring. <laughs> not not us necessarily. Like this episode is a bit of a slog. Like it's yeah, fine. It's I'm slog. just excited for the parts of this series that other people seem to be excited about and we haven't gotten there yet. I think I'm so excited. I'm hope that after this you're gonna take your little brandy and go and watch the next episode. I have had to wait a whole week. I'm so it's sorry. So hard. I know what that's like. Now you know. Now you know what it's like when we delayed Battlestar. Yes. It's like ah yes. But um I feel yeah. extra for you on those days. Thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you so much. Um anyway, so let's start off with talking about what really happened to when I want Verna von Braun. Because he did not, in fact, get fired from NASA, which we just had a conversation and I realized that you didn't realize that that was what happened in this episode. Yeah, I'm I'm going to go back and take a look because I missed, I maybe I just tuned out or something. Uh, I missed Probably. after the, he- I missed the result of the hearing. Like I was all, all there for all of the hearing and um his conversation with Margot after but I didn't remember them explicitly saying that he got fired in this episode so uh that was this is what happens when they treat us when they treat the audience like we're intelligent (laughs) that's cruel (laughs) we're always complaining about them (laughs) well I would have fucking figured it out if he wasn't there the next episode I would have gotten there I know I know I am teasing because we frequently lament (laughs) too obvious well and you're like oh it says it in the newspaper and i was like little girls set things on fire like that's what i'm paying attention to it's okay to be fair i don't know like i as i said like i really didn't pay attention that much the first time i watched it through um so it's quite possible i missed it too and i didn't uh realize um but anyway so this is not what happened in real life so um the obviously like the need for a scapegoat etc etc push them to push him out in this episode um, but in real life, uh, Von Braun was relocated to DC in the, in 1970 in March. Um, and he was assigned the post of NASA's deputy associate administrator for planning at NASA headquarters. Um, he had a lot of conflicts about the Apollo program. There were a lot of budget constraints, which obviously we're not moving towards that direction in in this. (laughs) Um, And so he retired from NASA on the 26th of May, 1972. Um, It just had become evident that like they got to the moon and they thought they'd accomplished that and they weren't really trying to get any further. So again, like very different to what's happening now. Um, He's also the one who developed the idea of a space camp. Um, So I know people who've been to space camp. And enjoyed their time. So it was established in 1982. So, like, it was obviously established after his time, but 
he certainly was someone who like developed the idea before he passed. Um, so after he left NASA, he moved to DC. He became um, vice president for engineering and development at the aerospace company Fairchild Industries um, in Maryland. And then he was diagnosed with kidney cancer. Um, he helped establish and promote National Space Institute, um, which was a precursor of the National Space Society. And he became their first chairman. Um, and he died in 1977. And so that's what actually happened in real life. And so what um, I'm he hearing was, is there was not a big public no, uh, accounting in, for his time uh, in the SS. No. Um, in fact, like in um, 19... Uh, the 1975 National Medal of Science was awarded to him. Very interesting. Um, so very, very different trajectory mm -hmm. for the real life von Braun. Mm -hmm. And I like I I believe this timeline that like the second somebody disagreed with him, they would have absolutely used that in a heartbeat to like get 100%. rid of him. If they like in the real to. timeline, yeah, of course. But they like they didn't need to. That I don't know. He was providing enough of a service to the u.s that nobody pushed pushed that yeah yeah there was no need for that scapegoating um and also like it's kind of the opposite right because the argument they're having now is more so the problem that they had in real life was that there wasn't enough funding and so he, he's having to deal with budget cuts and whatever, which is very different from what they're trying to do now, which is pump heaps of money into it and militarize it, right. which would, of course, be something that he would be quite against given his history. So it's interesting that that's like the direction that it went in in the show. Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting. It would have been safer for, hi for him, certainly, to... Um, be vocal, vocally anti-military uh, in the U.S. than it was in Germany. Um, mm. But I still think mm. this episode has an important conversation about like, like I, I think Margot says like you can't know what would have happened, and I think that's really important. Like we, he can't know what would have happened if he had spoken up in Germany. Like we can't know if there would have been another genius to like propel mm. nasa forward if it hadn't been him like i yeah. yeah i i think holding him accountable for his actions whether you believe he knew what was happening or didn't know what was happening like i think that's an important conversation i'm glad this show brought it up yeah, 100%. yeah. i'll be curious so if fun, this fun. is the last we see of him in the show or if they'll follow his career not career further he's I an important agree. person in margot's life so i feel like we'll see him again should i be putting this in your predictions that we will see him again sure i don't think that's the most exciting prediction of all time but yes i think we will see him again or at least there will be some update about his life maybe he's not gonna take this well yes Okay, so what is your research on the Vietnam War and how that actually played out? Yeah, so... Because we get this throwaway line, really. It's like, it's not a big part of the episode, but they are talking about... Yeah, so basically, withdrawal. yeah, Nick Nixon in this reality is talking... Our reality. In our, Nixon, sorry, Nixon in the, in the world of this television program 
thank you uh <laughs> is um is talking about uh bringing a quicker end to the vietnam war so they can pull that funding and put it towards a space program in reality um I'll, let's do like a really super brief history of what's going on and then we'll get to Nixon. Um, Amazing. Okay. So Vietnam uh, was part of Indochina. It was a, um, a French colony. In 1954, there, um, there was a, an end to the French colonial rule. Uh, Vietnam was independent. Uh, and right away you had this sort of like divide between north and south vietnam the north was communist the south was democratic and that it was democratic but it had corrupt leadership and they did mm -hmm. fun things like persecute buddhists and stuff mm. um so because there was this communist uh communist rule in north vietnam the u.s was on its thing about we can't let communism spread so U.S. got more and more involved and present in Vietnam throughout the 50s and early 60s. And so the other major player in this story is the Viet Cong, which is a communist presence in South Vietnam um, who are trying to fuck things up. Um, so Johnson becomes president in 63 after JFK is killed and things escalate pretty much from there the big escalation was kind of like did anything actually happen it was the gulf of tonkin incident and that was um basically there there was some buzz that something happened in the gulf of tonkin and mm -hmm. uh some U.S. ships were attacked, and this basically gave LBJ permission to go to war. Congress approved that. It turns out that, like, actually nothing probably happened, and they just okay. made some shit up so we could go to war. Okay. Uh, sounds like us. <laughs> In, uh, so then we're just at war for a long time. Um, 1968, there, the U.S. government is saying, like, oh, we're doing so well at Vietnam. Things are about to wrap up. Like, it's totally chill. We have this under control. And then the Viet Cong orchestrate the Tet Offensive, which were massive coordinated attacks throughout South Vietnam. Uh, and when the U.S. Uh, just regular people heard about this, they were like, hey, I thought you said that we were winning this war. And it seems like maybe we're not, and maybe we're not so supportive of the war. Also in 1968, there was the My Lai Massacre, which is mm -hmm. one of the worst things I've ever had the displeasure of reading about. Uh, yeah. It's really, really horrific attack by U.S. soldiers on um, on a town in, in Vietnam. Uh, men, women, children, infants were killed. There were gang rapes of women and children, mutilations. A couple of soldiers like tried to stop it, and they were the ones that were they were denounced as traitors. They were shunned and denounced as traitors. Um, no one really served time ever for this. It didn't become public knowledge until November 1969, when we are already under Nixon, and yeah. that is another moment when the 
U.S. support, like U.S. civilian support for the war was just like, no, we're done with this. Yeah. Um, so Nixon takes office January 1969. He ran on a campaign of ending the Vietnam War. Like that was one of his big promises. Huh. Um, but it took him. So now we are in the reality where NASA doesn't need a bunch of funding. It took him five years to do it. There were as many years of the Vietnam War under Johnson as there were under Nixon. But there would have been a re-election campaign within that time. So, like, he ran on a campaign of ending the war and then didn't end the war and got re-elected. Yep. Wild. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that always fucking happens, but still. Uh, Yeah, like, Kent State happened under him. That was, um, so there were these protests all over the country against the Vietnam War. A lot of, Mm. like, college-age people. Kent State, there was a huge protest of college students. The Ohio National Guard was called in. Um, Mm -hmm. and they killed four people, four unarmed college students just for protesting. I think they wounded like a bunch of other people and they, they like point blank shot them, uh, and killed them. That's wild. It was really, really horrific moment. Mm. So yeah, Nixon was not motivated really much at all to end this war quickly. Interesting. Yeah. Um, thanks for that. Yeah, that's super interesting. So it'll be interesting to see if they actually do end the Vietnam War, um, if that was a precursor to that or not. Um, because it felt like, you know, it feels like there's not really throwaway lines in this, in this show, you know, like these things are rather important. Yeah. Well, so if we're pulling out of Vietnam quickly, like it, things still got really bad after this time in 1969, like in 1970, that's when you have a lot of the... Uh, like carpet bombing in Cambodia, um, mm-hmm. which were other things that like the U.S. public didn't really know were happening. Like this was a a big secret until the Pentagon Papers leaked to the New York Times in 1971. Um, but yeah, they just were like, we're going to bomb yeah. these whole other countries because the Vietnamese yeah. are using the what they called the Ho Chi Minh Trail to like yeah. supply the war. So we're just going to also bomb other countries. Just yeah, and not tell anyone about it. It's interesting. So, like, I've been to all, so I've been to Vietnam, Cambodia, and and Laos. Wow. And um, I went to Vietnam more recently, probably about I want to say nine years ago. And Cambodia actually was the first country that I went to outside of Australia, which was probably not the best move given the how confronting it is. Mm-hmm. I went to Cambodia and Laos on that same trip, which was in twenty eleven. Um. And the and obviously there's a big gap between when I went to both of those places. But for me, Cambodia is still very much you can feel the effects of all of the bombings and and whatnot. And thank goodness they didn't destroy like Angkor Wat and all of the temples and stuff because they're gorgeous. Um, In Laos, there's still a lot of um, mines around Mm. um, that a lot of people have. Um, still get injuries like because they haven't all been found um but i went to the killing fields in cambodia and mm. um in laos yeah i think i ended up going to like a documentary about the the landmines that was still all around laos from the vietnam war um and obviously this is going back like <laughs> 13 years so <laughs> this is just my like general memories of it all but yeah these um these countries are definitely still very affected. I mean, they are all right by each other, but, you know, 
call it the Vietnam War, but we don't really talk about the fact that um, that these other countries around were impacted yeah. also. Well, and there's that, um, that quote from um, Anthony Bourdain that was going around when Kissinger died, which is, once you've been to Cambodia, you'll never stop wanting to beat Henry Kissinger to death with your bare hands. Yeah. Like that was Cambodia, his impression after visiting Cambodia. Yes. Cambodia, it's very, um, it's very striking. Yes. Yeah. Okay, well, speaking of Kissinger, <clears throat> which hopefully we won't have to do a lot, we have 12 real people in this episode. 11, kind of 12, because we have Neil, Buzz, Mike, again. We have uh, Von Braun. We have Deke Slayton, Thomas Paine, Henry Kissinger, Richard Nixon, by voice, obviously. Same with Henry Kissinger. We have Gene Kranz again. We have Charles Sandman, who is a real person, as we discussed. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Tom uh, Lehrer, who I counted, who's the guy who sings the song. Mm-hmm. And then we have, this is where it's like iffy, but we see Senator Fulbright next to Charles Sandman in the hearings. He's the only person who's like Clark we see, and he was a real senator. So I counted him too, and nice. I put it at 12. I did not look up to see whether, um, is it Anastasia Belikova was a real She's person? She's not real. Okay. I know that the Soviet Union certainly never landed anyone on the moon let alone a woman but i wasn't sure if she was like a real person who was kicking around um they had a plan um to have a woman on the moon but it wasn't her they did send women into space before we did if i'm not mistaken but they never walked on the moon yes um so i think she was the first woman in space Uh uh-huh um, and that was in 1963 uh, on the Vostok 6 space capsule. So uh, her name is Valentina uh, Tereshkova. Uh, Tereshkova. Right. Oh, my God. One of my best friends is Russian. I'm just going to get Valentina her to like, say names for me. That sounds right. Yeah. Valentina Tereshkova. Uh, so she was the first woman in space in 1963. So I guess that's where they sort of got this... Um, inspiration from to um yeah and she still remains the youngest woman to be in space um which is pretty cool yeah it's pretty bad uh yeah um as for america um there still hasn't been a woman on the moon but um we have got a trip planned this year for 2024 um and so christina uh coach and um, she's going to be the first woman on the moon. And oh, then wow. Victor Glover is going to be the first person of color on the moon oh. uh, on a 10-day-long Artemis II mission. Um, okay, cool. So um, I don't think that we're – I mean, you did get one um, prediction right, which was that Ed will have a change of heart. Yes. And I guess he kind of did. He kind of did last up. He didn't even need the astronaut ghosts. <laughs> well, we don't know. We weren't with him twenty four seven. That's true. Maybe he, he could did have, have astronaut ghosts. He could have had Actually, astronaut ghosts. He, he could have watched Midnight Cowboy. He could have. We will never know that prediction. Maybe or both might, at the I same time. Maybe both. Um, so, what are your predictions for next episode slash the future? Okay, so where we've left off is this cosmonaut is on the moon. And the U.S. has Apollo 12 currently heading to the moon. Will they be on the moon at the same time? Will there be moon drama because they're both on the moon at the same time? Could be. They sort of alluded to that, but, like, I don't think everything they allude to will come to pass. Like, I was really prepared in this episode 
for the boys to have a super hard time getting home and it was just like the first 30 seconds in the episode and then everything was fine so Mm. I don't know but I things are going too well so far for Margot's first mission so I think something's gonna go wrong and she's gonna be in the hot seat um Ed is back where he wants to be so I think we're stuck with Ed for a while uh I don't know since I missed some stuff do we know who's sort of like is someone sort of taking over for Von Braun? Is Von Braun someone you can't really, whose position you can't really take over? They're just sort of shuffling around the leadership. Um, I'm not sure. But there's going to be, know. there will obviously be leadership shakeup at NASA. Uh, I feel like Tracy, Tracy looks like she wants to be on the moon so bad. And I don't think <laughs> she has the education to just up and join the space program. But okay. I would love it if Tracy goes to the moon. And I think Karen, like a la that one episode of Buffy where they form the Mothers Against the Occult, Mothers Opposed yeah. to the, the Moo organization, I feel like Karen is about to like be protesting women on the moon. <laughs> and I don't know what's going on there. Is she like, there can't be women in the space program where my husband is? Like women belong in the kitchen, not on the moon. I don't know, but she looks so fucking mad about it. Um, <laughs> and okay, so I can't, I think I would have gotten here, but I can't take all the credit because I have seen the promo photo for episode three because oh, yeah. Apple TV loves to show that. So I believe that women are now uh, becoming astronauts at NASA. I think that's coming up real soon. <laughs> because yeah the photo is a bit of a spoil <laughs> a little bit because we can't be shown up by the soviet union so i think yeah. we're gonna get some ladies in the mix and quick which is mm -hmm. exciting mm -hmm. i think that will mean that sally ride in 1983 will not be in this reality the first american woman in space so we're taking that title away from sally Unless Sally's like, I don't, I genuinely don't know how old Sally was. Maybe Sally's going to get to space early, but I feel like she's probably not there yet. Um, I think those are, I think that's all I got. That's a lot of predictions. That's a lot of predictions. Um, uh, that sounds great. Yeah. I'm guessing if the, if the U.S. is trying to build a base on the moon, that like the Soviet Union also obviously is going to build a fucking base on the moon. Like, yeah dueling bases. that's the moon drama prediction yeah um, well i'll put a little caveat both build a base on the moon or yeah they're gonna try to at least super curious if apollo 13 is gonna like happen as it happened with all mm. the i don't think so because the whole at least the film apollo 13 is about how nobody fucking cared anymore about the third time people were gonna walk on the moon until something went wrong um, well, so maybe we take already... a, little, a little caveat and do like a, a Twitch stream or something with the Apollo 13 movie because I cannot remember that movie at all. And uh, yeah, we should absolutely watch it. And then you can see Gene Kranz in his yeah. different uh, iteration and same best. Well, then the question is, do we do it now, like when it's relevant in the timeline or do we do it at the end of season one? Uh, that's a great question. I feel like when it's relevant in the timeline makes sense. That might come up really soon in terms of trying to organize a thing. 
Um, but I think doing it in the timeline makes sense. I don't know how long it will take episode-wise to get to Apollo 13. Maybe just the, like, it, we've been doing a, a launch per episode so far, so maybe it's going to be quick. I don't know what episode that's going to be. Maybe when it comes up mm. in the episode, we take a little detour the next episode of the podcast and um, or do a little Twitch. That sounds good. Woohoo! Okay, I'm going to let you go and after making you wait a whole week and let you watch the next episode. I'm so ready for it. Yay! Me too, honestly. I was like, I was so disappointed to delay as well because I also just like in the spirit of things didn't want to watch the next one yet. And I was so annoyed because I was like, <laughs> ah, I was really ready for it to be like at a point where like I also was like invested so, because I feel like the last time I watched this, I wasn't yet that invested by this episode. And so I probably could have watched it a little more closely. So I'm really excited to revisit it now. Yeah, um, there is there is an episode photo of like, like lady astronauts in cool sunglasses. And I am mm -hmm. ready to click on it. Yes, yes. Okay. Well, until next time, everybody. Um, bye, Bob. Bye, Bob. <laughs>